That's right, you missed Hashi, he was 100% correct. Um, because going into the fight, we were kind of focusing on Fulton's abilities with his jab. Um, and I did a lot of that because I, I wrote that article for Sportslook um, focusing on Fulton and, you know, introducing his style and what he was going to bring um, to the ring, introducing that to the, the readers in Japan, Sportslook readers in Japan. Um, and we we didn't forget about any of his jab, but we possibly, it was possibly overlooked until Mr. Ohashi mentioned it in, in the interview that was published just the day before the fight. Um, and it was all about it was all about speed and uh, and the timing um, from anyway as well as carrying the power up from bantamweight. He, he's he's much faster than all these bigger fighters as well, which is a real asset. And and the way he was timing, he was just everything was everything was just on point for anyway yesterday. It was a absolute masterclass. Hello everyone, welcome to today's Japan Forward Sports Talk podcast. We're on the uh, sister website, Sports Look, where we have uh, coverage day after day of all sports that we are able to. And um, occasionally on our Sports uh, Look Twitter account, we also handle Twitter Spaces uh, live live podcasts, where we then record it uh, to various uh, podcast platforms. Tonight, we have a special guest joining us all the way from Scotland. I'm in Tokyo. Colin Morrison is in Scotland. And we're discussing a boxing fight between uh, Japanese superstar Naoya Inoue and American boxer um, Stephen Fulton from Philadelphia. So this is truly a global conversation. Colin, how's it going tonight, this afternoon, in where you are? Yes, thank you, Ed. Good afternoon from here in Scotland. Good evening to everyone who's in, at the end of the day on this Wednesday. Everything's going well, thanks. I very much enjoyed the fight yesterday, and I'm looking forward to discussing it with you this afternoon. I wanted to put you on the spot with a chance to give your rapid-fire reaction to the fight. Uh, you know, just a few seconds, what are the first things that come to mind with what you saw? Yeah, um, absolutely exceptional boxing from Naoya Inoue. Um, there's really not enough superlatives in the dictionary to describe just how impressed I was with the monster's work last night. Everything was absolutely textbook perfect. Um, and he, he really didn't give Fulton a chance to get into the fight. Um, I know everyone sees the round slightly differently in things, but I, I had Naoya anyway winning every single round up until the, the fight ended in the eighth. There was couldn't see a way to score any of these rounds for Fulton, although I know some of the judges, well, the judges all gave him one round and one of the judges gave him two rounds, which I found a bit weird. But as I say, everyone does see things slightly differently. But anyway, it was absolutely exceptional. Um, pound for pound, number one. Yeah, that's a good point there about the ranking and is on the global stage right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things, uh, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's one of these sort of fictional lists and people get upset if their pound for pound list doesn't agree with your pound for pound list. So there's there's no point in getting, you know, investing too much in it. But if people generally are in agreement that a fighter is within the top three, then it, it means they are regarded as a very, very, very good fighter. So, and, and, and anyway, he certainly falls into that category, and he, he already did anyway, but he absolutely underlined it yesterday. <laughs> what, I, what I thought we saw was we saw a very good fighter versus a great fighter, and the difference in those two levels could not be more clear. I agree. I agree with that. Um, and because of the way the fight played out, it doesn't take away anything from Fulton's abilities. As you've said, as you've summed it up, it was just the fact there's a very good fighter against an excellent fighter. Do, do you feel that there was a, the impact of, I would call it ring rust for Fulton, not having the test of, you know, a title fight or a non-title fight, no fights in the ring, 
with the, with the record on the line since June of 2022. Whereas, uh, you know, Inoue had fought in December. So, you know, several months difference in their last fights. I think that's an yeah. important point as well. It is an important point. There's, there's, um, before, before the fight, I, I didn't think it would have, uh, it would be an issue because, you know, we regarded, we regard Fulton as a, a world-class boxer and also just with his age, he's in his prime. So it, it shouldn't, have been a, an issue and maybe it was maybe it wasn't because I'm not too sure what he could have done to um, fight off Monster when he's in that type of mood and that type of form um, but it is definitely an issue for you know not just Fulton um, but it's boxing as a whole a lot of these fighters they are just far too inactive um, and they seem to be a lot of them seem to be satisfied with fighting once a year um, and you feel like they're pushing themselves if they go to fight twice a year so it's it's not ideal we would like to see our, the best boxers fighting more often but is the is the way the sport is at the moment, um, but it's something that he might, he might look at himself um, when he's reflecting on the cold light of day, and it might be something that he comes back to with his team. You know, uh, Colin uh, Fulton is known for his defensive posture and his ability against other opponents in the past. You know, to absorb punches and to you know take away the chances to for his opponent to land, you know, combination after combination, where I felt that in order for him to win the fight, he probably needed to be more aggressive and actually land and also throw a lot more punches than, uh, than Inoue did. What do you think I'm right in that regard? Yes. Um, I think you are. Um, and also I'll sort of maybe just add on to that point that, um, the very first round set the tone for the whole thing. Um, I guess it was a bit of an ordeal for Fulton and by beginning the fight, he was trying to hold the middle of the ring, but he had a very, very wide stance, which to me seemed to slow down his movement. And we're talking about split seconds here, but because his feet were so widely placed, he couldn't then move laterally, as we've seen in other fights and get out of harm's way. He experienced a few jabs from anyway in that opening round, and I think there was a couple of jabs to the body. And I think in that moment, he realised how hard anyway hits. He realised that anyway's power had you know, travelled up to the super bantamweight division with him, and he was, I think, as early as the first round, he realised he was in a bit of trouble. There, there was something that um, Inoue's um, promoter, I'm sorry, his, uh, you know, his gym president, now Hiroyuki Ohashi, was talking yeah. about the fight in an interview that we published actually yesterday on Japan Forward. And mm-hmm. one thing that Ohashi said was, if this is a jab versus jab, you know, contest, there's no way that Inoue is going to lose the fight. And we saw how his superior jab really defined the fight, even more so perhaps than the power punches. That's right. Miss Hashi was 100% correct. Um, because going into the fight, we were kind of focusing on Fulton's abilities with his jab. Um, and I did a lot of that because I, I wrote that article for Sports Look, um, focusing on Fulton and, you know, introducing his style and what he was going to bring um, to the ring, introducing that to the, the readers in Japan, the sports world readers in Japan. Um, and we we didn't forget about any of his jab, but we possibly, it was possibly overlooked until Mr. Ohashi mentioned it in, in the interview that was published just the day before the fight. Um, and it was all about it was all about speed and, uh, and the timing um, from anyway, as well as carrying the power up from Bantamweight. He, he's, he's much faster than all these bigger fighters as well, which is a real asset. And and the way it was timing, he was just everything was everything was just on point for anyway yesterday. It was a absolute masterclass. You know, let's let's just let's just draw out a quick number here for you and for listeners. In 
in his uh, in his uh, head-to-head competitions against the world champions, Inoue is eleven and zero now. That's that's impressive. And um, and you know and you also you look at um you look at twenty five fights with twenty two knockouts. That's almost you know a nine. That's almost a ninety percent success ratio in knocking guys out. How many really world class boxers currently in the business are close to that number? Uh, what is that? 88 percent. I want to say yeah, eighty eight percent. Yeah, you've got um you've got the the light heavyweight Beterbiev, who's he's actually got a one hundred percent knockout ratio. Can't remember how many fights he's had. He's, he's only had about sixteen or seventeen professional fights, but he's, he knocks everyone out. He's just a, he's just a very very uh, strong puncher as well. But for for anyway, who's fought so many world champions and he's had you know nineteen or twenty consecutive world title fights, and he's he's got such a high knockout ratio as as um, testament to the the amount of work that he does. You know, with his speed, with his technique, with his the precision of his punching, just it's, the whole package comes together and. The, the end result is powerful shots off of both hands and just about every single punch he throws when he wants to, every single punch he throws has seriously bad intentions behind it. One one thing that was interesting that wasn't really the full storyline, of course, was there was very few instances where, you know, the, the fight really stood around the ropes. These guys were mostly in the middle and they neither one really approached the ropes consistently. Yeah, I mean, I think from the from the opening round, from the opening minute, as I said, that Fulton he did try and make a point of holding in the middle of the ring, and he had that that wide stance, which I think you know sort of put him on the back foot straight away and hindered him because it gave so much momentum to anyway. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't Fulton when he was when he discovered that anyway could hurt him. He didn't do what Paul Butler did in December last year and. and trying to skirt around the outside of the danger zone. Um, so Fulton deserves credit. He did, you know, he showed the, he showed the heart of a champion. He, he showed a lot of pride. He, he didn't want to go out with a whimper. He did try and, you know, do something to get back into the fight. And, you know, that led to his demise ultimately um, because he could have quite easily have skirted around um, and ran about and tried to get it to the, the scorecards um, like we saw Butler doing. But again, anyway, um, he had the bounce back in his steps yesterday as well. He, he didn't look drained at all. He looked full of energy. So, I don't think anyone could have kept away from anyway for a 36 minute duration yesterday and he would have caught up to whoever eventually. And that's just how good he was. It looked it looked like his fitness level was at, was exceptionally high entering the fight. And the stamina that Inoue paced himself with was brilliant, I thought, as well. Yeah, um it just it goes back to you know knowing when the correct time is to to move up a weight class because obviously moving up in weight comes with a, a certain amount of risk, but at the same time, it can benefit the fighter moving up because he's no longer boiling his body down to such an extent that he needs to make the lower weight class. So therefore, he'll have slightly more muscle mass on his body. He'll have more energy. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be as drained. And that was the one difference I noticed yesterday compared to the butler fight. I think I was maybe the only person who said this about the butler fight, but I, I thought anyway was half a step slow in the butler fight um, because a, a fully energetic anyway wouldn't have taken eleven rounds to get rid of the butler. Um, but on that occasion, it was it was clearly the last time his body could allow him to make 118 pounds, and it just took a little bit away from his energy levels. So that's why it took him so long to to get a very defensive butler out of there. So by moving up, he's retaining the the energy, and he, and he had that that bounce back right from the start, and it was you know excellent to see. Let me let me just throw a hypothetical at you when we're talking about Butler um, and looking back. Suppose Butler and Inoue. Uh, 
had a rematch at the 122 pound division. How do you think that would actually go, knowing they've already fought each other? Oh, that would be. I mean, and that, this is um, this is the right time for anyway to be at 122 pounds. So if Butler did do that, he would find himself up against a way better version of anyway, and uh, uh, that would that fight wouldn't last long at all. That, that would be over quickly. You know, it was interesting um, to see Marlon Tapales uh, at the arena. You know, the ceremonial invitation after the fight. I'm guessing yes. that. Um, uh, Bob Arum and some of the other promoters had a big hand in, you know, making sure he was there and making sure he had a plane ticket to Tokyo well in advance. Absolutely. And it's um, it's good business, you know, it's wise because he he holds the other two titles in that division. So now that anyway has defeated Stephen Fulton, he's got one he's just one fight away from becoming undisputed champion in a second weight class. Um and, and in theory he could do that within the calendar year um of making it against Butler and Bantamweight in December of 2022. So if he fights uh, to and wins before December of this year, then he's he's achieved something remarkable within within a 12-month span, which, um, you know, as long as they make that fight, it's, it's anyway's fight to, to win. You know, it, it would not be beyond the realm of possibility that he could be one and, I'm sorry, two and done as a super Bantamweight, you know, then make the jump to featherweight uh, for 2024. Yeah, it would almost be if if this does play out and he and he beats the Palais and he's undisputed super bantamweight, he might just look around and say, Okay, I've completed this weight division and let's move, let's move up and take the challenge at featherweight. Let me let me read something to you though about the fight that we just saw last night. I thought this is a pretty good summary of the fight, Colin. Um, mm-hmm. Mark Wicker, a longtime Orange County Register columnist, and before that working in Philadelphia and other newspapers. He currently writes a Substack column, Mark Wicker, and his description of Inoue was quite uh, interesting. He he wrote this, and I quote, Inoue was as methodical as an architect and as merciless as a hitman, building his fight with these with those early jabs and then jots. That's um, good observations, um, good um good comparisons and a good analogy to, to other professions. Um, so it's a good way to, to put it together because um, there's only so many times you can say it was outstanding, it was great, it was spectacular, it was amazing. So yes, um, I agree with I agree with all of the, the columnists' comments there. Do you think the buzz for the fight was as significant in in the UK and in Scotland and uh, closer to closer to your home than say in North America and in Philadelphia, for example, this, you know, your interaction with colleagues at New York fights and other people in the, in the United States, do you, yes. do you think there's the comparisons about the same or what would you say, say to that? I think there was within the, within the boxing community, there was a, there was a huge buzz about it. But again, it's just the old thing with boxing and with the heavyweight division that the, the general public don't really take much of an interest or they don't necessarily know that the, the fights are on because we can we could write three boxing columns a day and publish them on the, the outlets that we work for, but unless somebody's got a specific interest in boxing, they, they, there's a good chance that they won't um, come to those sites to begin with. Um, and also on, on the social media, it becomes a bit of an echo chamber because I follow people with their interest in boxing and they follow me for the same reason. So we're, we're chatting to each other, but we're not actually spreading the word further or spreading the word wider that these amazing events are happening within the sport of boxing. So... Within the, the boxing community here, there was there was massive um, interest in Fulton versus Enemy, and I was trying to convey that and the, 
the couple of articles I wrote between Sportslook and NY Fights. And the build-up to this fight, um, I know it was the same um, from talking to colleagues in North America um, via NY Fights or, or for the, the prediction panel that I did. I invited a few guesters on and, and all of them as boxing fans. Everyone was very excited for this. But it's just uh, the, the general thing of um, getting it out to, to a wider audience. Um, out with the heavyweights, the, nobody seems to be that interested, unfortunately. How, how, was it, um, how was it in Japan compared to the build-up to other anyway fights, did you think? Well, I think I think the buildup was good on in the local in the local sports papers and also the post fight reaction to it uh, in the in the daily sports papers. Uh, Inoue's front page cover, big photos, massive coverage. You know, multiple pages, lots of color photos, detailed analysis, um, looking ahead, looking back. You know, speculating on you know um, featherweight and uh, just how short he might be in the be in super bantamweight. So it, it's very comprehensive coverage. And it was by far the best atmosphere of any of the fights I've seen of Inoue. I've been to his last four fights. Uh, and this one was more electric than the others, for sure. Yeah. I, I noticed that the, the arena was packed for the, the very beginning of the undercard. Um, the broadcast came on here at 9.30 in the morning. So it would have been, what, 5.30 p.m. in local time, just before the, the, the sort of first televised fight. And the, the, the arena did look very busy even at that early stage of the evening. So that, that indicated that there was a great deal of interest in, in Japan as well. There was also a great buzz when people were leaving the arena. Once the fight was over, you know, like, I think people were thinking like sixth round, like, you know, he is, he's starting to show that he's going to wear down uh, Fulton with body shots and with the dangerous uh, jab followed by the hook and other uppercuts. And people were anticipating the knockout. And once it arrived, it was just like, you know, like a rocket went off, like, you know, like through the roof. And when Topolis and, and Inouye posed with their, met with their belts, it just yeah. took the anticipation for what's next to another level. So it was sort of like a celebration of today, yesterday, I mean, but also for what's happening in, in probably within the next four or five months. Yeah, and, and boxing, you know, has to do that because there's not, a, there's not other sports where there's another fixture the following week so you, you never lose any momentum so it's a good idea for them to to look ahead to, and present the Pallies and the Ringers that hopefully they get the negotiations done and that is the next fight for anyway um, so it's it's, it's, a, it's a wise move and as you said it sent the crowd out of the arena with a bit of a buzz about them When do you how soon do you think they will fight Colin? I hear um, I hear I hear November or December are quite likely possibilities are you hearing other dates as being thrown around no no the same the same as you ed um november was the was the the month that was uh, mentioned and that, that caught my attention and because that was when anyway said he would be ready um Papales fought in april so there would be no excuse for him not to be ready for november either so hopefully they can everyone's happy with the money available and the, the fight gets arranged I, I presume it would take place in japan yeah, I would I would be surprised if it's out of the Tokyo region, Saitama, Tokyo, or Yokohama. I would predict one of those three cities. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not too familiar myself yet with the polis, but from what you've uh, followed and studied and read and heard, what what are your impressions of his strengths and just his general fighting style? Um, he's a he's a brave fighter. You know, he he comes forward and he, he throws a lot of shots, which. Um, <laughs> On the other side of it, things leaves them a bit open for, for counter shots, um, which against 
uh, the monster is, is a dangerous policy. But, uh, you know, he believes in himself um, and he, he had that great win against uh, the former uh, title holder, uh, Akhmad Aliyev, who presented the, the very awkward amateur style and difficult to hit and moving in and out. And he, he beat him on a split decision in the United States in April to, to get the belts that he currently holds. So, yeah, I mean, he, he would... I would say he's, he's not as good a boxer as Stephen Fulton, but he, he presents a more... A guy you would expect to be more aggressive right from the very start. And whether that would work for him or not, we'll find out when they fight. Um, I would suggest it wouldn't work. And anyway, he would have the opportunity to finish the fight even quicker than the, the eighth round where he finished Fulton. But you, you never know. But what do you think might be the biggest challenge uh, for Inouye uh, going up against the Paulus? Um, I don't. I, I think that is there is there any chance of any way getting thing carried away, believing in the hype, and maybe taking his eye off the ball slightly. Um, I, I don't know if that type of thing exists in his in his psyche or his mental makeup. Um, I hope not because it's it's not a good quality to have for any sports person. But um, I, I would say that would be the only that would be the main danger for him because. At the moment, on the if it's just all about the boxing, he seems to be on another level. Let's let's flip the page for a second and talk about the featherweight division. And it's very interesting that two of the current world champions in the featherweight division are both under the top rank boxing management team, which of course is Bob Arum, who mm-hmm. co-promotes Inaway. So you would think that a fight with Inaway could be easily arranged it easier because of the because of those guys being under Aram's control or under contract. Luis Alberto Lopez at IBF and Robesi Ramirez at WBO. Who's a better fighter at this stage of their careers and in July 2023? That's a good question. Um, I, I like both of those fighters to be honest. I've seen seen um, a bit of them recently as well. And obviously Robesi Ramirez was on the undercard last night in Tokyo. So Perhaps there was a bit of foresight there um, and they're already setting the wheels in motion at a promotional level for uh, Ramirez versus Inouye in 2024. You don't know. Um, I would say they both bring different different styles to the ring. Ramirez obviously um, has the sort of Cuban upbringing, the, the very, very technical style, but as he's learning the ropes in professional boxing, he's, um, you know, he's added a lot of aggression and he's a very good fighter to watch. And... Um, Luis Alberto Lopez, um, recently he was in, over in Belfast and he knocked out Michael Conlon. It was an impressive performance. Um, he was the underdog going into that fight. Um, I don't know if that was just because he was fighting away from home um, and nobody knew that much about him over on this side of the Atlantic. Um, but he's he's got a, an interesting style, very aggressive as well. And he, he's, a, he's very bouncy on his, on his feet and he throws a lot of dangerous punches from wide angles, which again gives an opponent the opportunity to counter him. But if he lands these aggressive and um, powerful punches, then he gets the upper hand on his opponents. So yeah, um, both of those would be would be interesting if we're, if we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves discussing anyway being a featherweight. <laughs> Quickly, the I, I got to see part of the Ramirez uh, undercard fight against Shimizu yesterday, and uh, the one thing that was the most impressive was his hand speed and just you know the duration between punches of a combination, you know, split second. Very consistent in that regard. Absolutely, he's got you know he's been very well skilled. You can you can tell that, and he and he had all those years in the in the amateurs, and he's a 
a decorate. He was a decorated amateur Olympic gold medalist, etc. Um, he's actually he actually fought on a, an undercard in Scotland um, when George Taylor was fighting Jack Catterall at the Hydro in Glasgow. Robus Ramirez was on the undercard over here as well. So Bob Brankov travelled him around the the globe, um, and he seems you know he's he's willing to travel. He's got a great attitude, and he'll fight anyone anywhere. And he's you know he's now got that world title belt that he's he's happy to defend. Although possibly he might fight. He might fight Lopez in the kind of a unification fight in the featherweight division. When when you when you look at Inoue's career right now, just where he is, uh, twenty five fights into his career, twenty two knockouts. You know, one of the lighter weight divisions. Who does he? Who does his list of accomplishments most closely resemble in your mind? Let's say from nineteen eighty onward. That's an excellent question. Um, so. He's a four-weight world champion and he's moving up through the started in the lighter weights and he's he's moving up, he's collecting belts, he's looking pretty explosive, he's looking awesome. So everything my brain's turning over here and everything's just it's just looking at Manny Pacquiao, um, which is an incredible fighter to be compared with. Um, if you remember, I think he he secured world titles in eight different weight classes before his career was over, which is Absolutely remarkable and unprecedented. Um, I'm not saying anyway he could do that, but just the way he's at the moment, he's he's moved up, he's moving up from the, the lightweight classes. It certainly does mirror Manny Pacquiao. Um, and for another light, lighter weight fighter, um, his skill level uh, it reminds me a lot of Chocolatito Gonzalez, who um, fought a lot of his earlier career in Japan um, at the sort of like flyweight, flyweight level. Just just the way he puts his combinations together and uh, uses his feet to always be in the best position. That very, very much reminds me of the, the prime Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. So there's two fighters there who he puts me in mind of. Yeah, I think I think even the personality wise in the ring, I think there are some there are some parallels that can be drawn between Pacquiao and and uh, Inoue. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just the laser focused, and they they look like you know outside of the ring, very nice men. They wouldn't they wouldn't do any harm to anybody. But once they're at work and they're in there, they're absolutely laser focused. And um, if you're the opponent, then it's it's going to be a difficult evening for you. Let's re- let's fight last night just for a little bit here. We got a, we got about five more minutes to go, Colin. I want to say, and. Yeah. Um, was there any particular round or moment that the, that really kind of surprised you with with the way things unfolded last night? And if so, why? The the very start of, I've mentioned already the very start of the fight surprised me because um, anyway he was able to take the upper hand right from the opening bell, and you know he had all the momentum from from that moment. And I was waiting to see if, if there was anything Fulton could do, but it was just it was honestly it was just the, the speed and the precision of anyway's punches he. Fulton didn't have a chance to to get a foothold in the fight at all. Um, so it was it was really that that opening round, um, and when you saw that Fulton wasn't going to be able to dictate the rhythm of the fight, the tempo of the fight, the pace of the fight, like he normally does, he wasn't going to be able to establish his jab because anyway he was beating him to the jab. Anyway, his timing was much better. The three inch um, reach advantage that Fulton had wasn't a factor at all because anyway he was you know he had all of the energy back in his feet. He was in and out quickly, and he was just. It was just remarkable. It was a remarkable performance against, uh, you know, the best boxer at Super Bantam. And considering it was his first bout at Super Bantam, it was it was amazing to witness. 
Yeah, I think you summed that up quite well. The fact that uh, no way neutralized Fulton's greatest strength is his footwork and his ability to, to defend. Yeah, I thought the third round was interesting. Um, I did comment that anyway, um, after the first two rounds where he was aggressive and, and showing Fulton who was the boss, anyway, that he did sort of stand off, but he was he was trying to he was trying to get something out of Fulton, um, you know, an opening so that he could then possibly deliver, start delivering powerful shots. But you know, the the power was the power was there from the very start from his jab. But I think he was just trying to, you know, lure Fulton in for something. So he even. Even had the upper hand and, and that's sort of the, the cat and mouse aspect of it. And the third round was a bit of a jab fest, but again, he, he just you know underlined how how dominant he was in that department uh, due to the speed. I think I think the preparation went exceptionally well for Inouye in the months leading up to this fight. Regardless of the setback with his hand injury, I think his father and his training team and how they studied film and they you know looked at Fulton's strengths and prepared. To to uh, you know counter them, I'd give them a hundred percent grade in that regard. Yes, eight, eight plus for that. I mean, the, they had now in a way very well prepared. Um, the game plan was was on point. They know they know the capabilities of the fighter. They believe in the fighter, and they they sent him out to do that job, and he and he executed it brilliantly. I saw something interesting in Ring Magazine, an online report tonight looking back at yesterday's fight where the uh, the reporter was saying already that, you know, Inoue is, is a definite shoe-in to be an international boxing Hall of Fame indeed. Uh, you know, regardless if he ever fights again, he is a, he is a Hall of Fame inductee now. I'm talking about Canastota, upstate New York. Do you do you agree with that standpoint, with that opinion? Yes, 100%. Um, anyway, if he, if he hangs up his gloves tomorrow, he is, he'll be first ballot in, into that International Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, just based on what he's already achieved, four weight, four weight world champion. Um, he's he's outstanding, and we're we're lucky that he's um, in his prime, and he's he's wanted to carry on, and we get to watch him and report on him and talk about him. That's uh, that's a privilege. Um, kind of along the same lines, I was wanting to ask yourself, Ed, um, how is there any discussion in Japan about who is he the greatest? Is he now the greatest Japanese of all time, or does he still have to do a little bit more to? To overtake um, fighting Harada or some of the other greats from the past. How's the how's the um, temperature with that type of discussion in Japan? I think I think the general perception and belief is that he is number one now on that list, based on the difficulty of fighters that he's faced and yeah. the degree of ruthlessness which he's won all those different titles in four weight classes now. So I would put him above Ioka and I would put him above Harada as well and uh, others. Yeah, and I think yeah, I mean, people share those share those viewpoints. Yeah, yeah, there, there has been there are great boxers that have from Japan over the years, but then in, in a way, is is becoming one of the best um, worldwide fighters. And you know, once he's hung up his gloves, um, you might be in the, the sort of all time great discussion just just with the way he's performing right now. You know, uh, twenty five fights is a lot, but usually I would say. 30 fights is sort of like a benchmark for a career. Maybe a few more fights is for comparison purposes. But but you look at what he's done in his 25 fights. Again, he's almost fought every almost every fight in his career. 21 fights now consecutively have been title matches. Yes. And he's 22 knockouts in 25 fights. So the degree of power and just precision is incredible. 
It, it, it really is, and um, the, the the level of competition, as we're as we're saying, has been the, the highest available. You know, he's not he's not avoided anyone, so it's um, it's it's true magnificence, and it's as I've said, it's it's great just to be able to to win a set and have a fighter like that in this era, and long may it continue. Um, don't want to sound a negative note or anything or a cautious note, but I just you know we should remember it is a difficult fight, it is a difficult sport, and everything. Every fight does take a little bit away from each fighter along the way, I always think. So sometimes, you know, if you get to that 30 fight mark that you mentioned, then sometimes the skill level can just deteriorate rapidly. Or, or you heard the phrase, a fighter getting old in the ring or a fighter getting old overnight. And it's just, just the nature of the sport that can happen. Hopefully it doesn't happen to anyway for a long, long time. But, you know, um, by fighting the, the toughest fights out there, then there's, there's always that chance, I suppose. Well, we are we are privileged to be to, to be able to witness one of the greats of the 21st century, definitely one of the top 10 fighters of the last 10 years, and uh, pound for pound, one of the top two players in the world right now, arguably number one again on that list. Absolutely, and a, a few of the American people were saying, um, in their opinion, he's this is the best boxer that they've seen since Floyd Mayweather was at his peak. So that's um, that's pretty high praise coming from them. Well, Colin, we'll be discussing Inoue again this year. I'm not quite sure when, but we do expect another fight coming up. Probably Tapalis will be his uh, next opponent. I'd be surprised if it was somebody else instead of Tapalis. So let's keep our eyes open and uh, prepare for another conversation, okay? Definitely. Thank you very much. Uh, any any parting thoughts you'd like to make? I would like to, um, once again, just say how amazing it was watching anyway work like that against such a great fighter like Fulton. I'm sure Fulton will be back and have success and just looking forward to uh, seeing what anyway does next. And um, I'm also going to be spending a bit of time researching some of these past Japanese great fighters um, with um, possibly maybe doing an article on how anyway compares to them at this stage in his career somewhere, somewhere down the line. That's something that's interesting me right now. Yeah, the more in-depth look at and analyzing um, the accomplishments of past fighters and present fighters, that's always interesting. And um, finding out who says what about about them in comparison could be good as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to compare eaters, um, but at the same time, um, as a, from a journalistic point of view, it's, um, sometimes that you have to do your best to do that. And, and as you say, get the input from people in the know, good opinions, people who are confident talking about it and try and present a, a good a good well laid out piece on the subject so yeah I'm, I'm interested uh, to do something like that uh, in the coming months one last question that, that came to mind um i was at first i was surprised to hear that sky sports um decided to air the fight it seemed like it was only going to be you know you know on uh pay-per-view or streaming services was that sort of a last minute deal that came through over in the uk yeah. They actually, um, they were they were pretty fast. When the fight first got announced and it was supposed to be in May, I'm pretty sure it was only two or three days after it that they announced they would be showing it. Then it was postponed until July, but they, they just, um, you know, they, they said that whenever the, the fight is scheduled, they would be in it. So, yeah, they, they seem to be pretty um, keen to show it. They, they do have a, an output agreement with Top Rank, so it obviously came under that umbrella. And they used um, the top rank international broadcast commentators. They they didn't have a studio set up or anything. It was just the the two commentators who were working it um, from a studio in Las Vegas. It was Christina Poncher and Michaela Mayer. We we got them 
they were the commentators for the, the card that they showed. But yeah, Sky were um, Sky were actively promoting it on their social medias over here. Um, so hopefully the next time anyway fights, it's, it's the same and it's, it's easy for people in the UK to watch. Looks like there'll be some buzz moving forward and, you know, more interest in even enjoying more of his fights. Absolutely. Um, it's it's must-see TV. And uh, I sent a few of my friends to watch it as well. And, and to be fair to them, they, they did watch it and they enjoyed it. So, yeah, hopefully um, more of the same going forward. Well, Colin, I uh, want to thank you for joining the program today. Live spaces, Twitter spaces, I should say, live on uh, Sports Look. <laughs> Looking forward to sharing this in uh, digital platforms and in, on the podcast channels around the world. And uh, we'll be in touch about upcoming boxing coverage. Thanks again for joining the program today. Good stuff. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. And thank you to the listeners. Uh, if, you, if you catch this live or in recorded mode, we appreciate your feedback and, your, and you sharing this with friends and family. Take care, everybody, and have a great day. <laughs>